following sermon was delivered at Antioch Presbyterian Church, a mission work of Calvary Presbytery of the Presbyterian Church in America located in Woodruff, South Carolina. For more information about Antioch Presbyterian Church, please visit AntiochPCA.com or contact us at info at AntiochPCA.com. May the Lord bless you as you receive gracious instruction from His Word. We have all gone through various trials throughout our lives, some greater, some lesser. We all know people who have gone through great trials. I want you to imagine for a moment that you had gone to your doctor. Something was wrong. And he came to you and he delivered that news, which you least wanted to hear. It's cancer. You hear that news, and I'm sure right now you can immediately imagine how you might start to respond to that. Fear, perhaps. Uh, trepidation and everything the future holds. Uh, thinking, what will I do about my children, my family? And, but as you're thinking of all these things, imagine that the doctor lays his hand on your shoulder and says, don't worry. We can cure this. Again, you in this state might think, well, what is he talking about? This is crazy. But then the doctor picks up a box and he sets it there on the counter in the examination room and he says, this box is full of files that detail so many people who have had cancer that we have successfully been able to treat They've all recovered. You can look in this box and you can see all the evidence you need to trust me when I tell you we can cure you of this cancer. Right? Though at first maybe you were skeptical of that doctor's uh, his comfort for you, wouldn't your confidence in that doctor grow as you looked through file by file by file, as, as you saw that evidence of his ability well, in our text this evening, we get something similar, don't we? We see in our text here evidence, incontrovertible proof of Christ's great power over death, so that even in the midst of trials, tribulations, suffering, we have great cause to hope in Christ. We have great confidence in our Savior. This text shows us that in the midst of trial and suffering, we have great cause to trust in Christ because He is the all-powerful God. We can look at this text in two divisions this evening. First, we see God's providences, a means of trying our faith, strengthening our faith. In verses 35 through, through 40, we see this. And, and second, we see Christ's great power as the grounds for a confident faith, proof that we can trust Him in all of our trials. We see God's providence as a means of strengthening our faith, and we see Christ's power as the grounds for a confident faith in, in verses 40 through 43. So let us now turn to the scriptures. Now, this text that we have before us this evening is really 
quite an amazing uh, account of Christ's power. You see, it's kind of the pinnacle of everything uh, that's come before it. Mark, in this gospel, gives us an account of Jesus calming the wind and the waves on the sea in chapter 4, and then teaches us of Christ's great power even over spiritual forces in chapter 5 when, when Christ uh, cast out the legion from the demoniac. And then we come to this section of text this evening where we see Christ's power not only over, over natural forces, winds, waves, storms, and, and not only over demons and spiritual forces, we see Christ's great power over sickness and over even death. Now, in our text, we see this man, Jairus, a synagogue official, receive this great distressing news. He had received this news after coming to Christ and imploring him, as we read in the beginning of, of this passage. He comes to Christ, hearing a perhaps somewhere of, of Christ's ability to heal. Certainly Christ's fame had spread all throughout Judea, and, and this man Jairus no doubt knew about Christ's great power. And so when he hears that Jesus is in town, he immediately flees to him because his daughter is taking her last breaths. This girl is on the very verge of death. There is great haste here in Jairus' pleading for Christ. He needs Jesus to come heal her now, quickly. But then we see, as they are leaving for Jairus' house, the crowds press in among Jesus. And this woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years and who had not been cured, who essentially had this kind of case of living death, she comes and she touches Christ. And, and now all of a sudden, Jairus, who has been in such a hurry to get Jesus to come touch his daughter, is, everything is slowing down. Jairus, I'm sure you can imagine how he's feeling. The great impatience, the great urgency that he has. I'm sure every single one of you has been struck in traffic at one point or another. And you think, I just need to go. Can we please move? And here, Jairus is stuck. Jesus has, has been impeded, at least in Jairus' mind. But all of this is working together. All of this is the providence of God meant to try Jairus' faith to strengthen his faith in Jesus, and to put all things in the correct path so that Jesus can demonstrate his great power. You see, Christ, in this text, demonstrates to Jairus that even though everything has, has slowed down and, and then all of a sudden fallen apart, yet this is actually for Jairus' good. So that is context. Now let us look to uh, the specifics of the text. In verse 35, we read that while he was still speaking, that is Christ speaking to the woman who had the flow of blood, there came from the house of the synagogue official saying, your daughter has died. Why trouble the teacher anymore? Jairus, who was so eager for Christ to come, who certainly had this this urgency about him, trying to bring Jesus with him, now all of a sudden receives that news that he least wanted to hear. 
proclamation every bit as, as devastating as a diagnosis of cancer. He hears the words, your daughter has died. Why trouble the teacher anymore? There's a note of finality here. The men come to Jairus and they say, it's all over. Nothing more can be done. You see, they call Christ the teacher. They don't think that he has power to remedy this situation. They have concluded that in spite of all of Christ's promises to Jairus, well, it's, it's over. But how does Christ respond to this? Christ responds to Jairus by telling him to keep believing. Look at verse 36. Jesus, overhearing what was being spoken, said to the synagogue official, Do not be afraid any longer. Only believe. Jesus says to Jairus, stop fearing. He says to Jairus, this is not the end. This is not over. These men have come to you and they have told you your daughter has died. But it's not over. You came to me, Jairus, asking me to make your daughter well. I am coming with you. Don't fear, Jairus. Do not shrink back. Believe. Essentially, Christ here tells Jairus, I am the same Christ that you came to earlier. You believed that I could heal her then. Continue to believe. I have not changed, Jairus. My power is the same now as it was when you first asked me. Christ tells Jairus, stop fearing, be believing. And we see here uh, this great truth that Jairus, in the midst of this trial, this suffering... He must have faith. We, in, in the midst of our trials and our suffering, Christ says to us as well, be believing. Trust in me. Do not shrink back. Do not fear. Christ uses these circumstances to strengthen our faith. Now, the providence of God is always working. There is nothing that happens which is outside of God's control. Not a traffic accident, not financial trouble, not the worst disease you can imagine. It is all by God's decree. And he uses that, Romans 8 tells us, for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes. It's the same was true of Joseph, whose brothers meant selling him into slavery for evil, but God meant it for good, for the salvation of his people's lives through Joseph's work. You see, Christ is our only hope and stay in the midst of trials. That is, that is what God points us to during hard providences. And he uses that. He uses those hard providences and bringing us through those hard providences to cause us to trust in Christ more and more. So we see Christ's first statement here. Do not be afraid. Believe. We see Jairus' response to this. Although it is not explicit here in the text, implicitly, we see that when Christ 
continues on to the house. Jairus accompanies him. He does not fall to the ground in despair, putting on sackcloth and ashes in that moment. No, Christ tells him to believe. Christ proceeds to the house, and Jairus goes with him. See, the Lord used this circumstance for the strengthening of Jairus' faith. But we also see another statement that Christ makes here for the evidencing of faith as well. See, Christ allowed no one to accompany him, verse 17, except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. And when they came to the house of the synagogue official, they saw a great commotion, people loudly weeping and wailing. And entering in, he said to them, why make a commotion and weep? The child has not died, but is asleep. We see here, again, Christ's claim that he has power over death. He says, the child is not dead. This is not the end. She is merely sleeping. Christ says, believe in me that my power over life and death is just the same as your power to go shake your child and wake them up. More so even Sometimes when we go to wake up a child, it can take a little while, can't it? Not so for Christ. He has power over death. It, to him, is as though she is sleeping. Now, Christ came for our salvation. Christ came to break the curses which we have because of Father Adam's fall, one of which is death. Christ came to put death to death promises that those who trust in him will be raised back to life. And he says these things as well to strengthen the faith of his people. He says, look to me for hope beyond death in this statement. Death to Christ is not the end, for he can overcome it as a parent could, could wake up a sleeping child. So he uses this as well as a means of calling people to faith. But the response here is very different. If you look at the beginning of verse 40, when Christ says this to the people weeping and mourning, they began laughing at him. Uh, they began mocking him. The kind of irony here, people loudly weeping and wailing, uh, professional mourners, in those days in Israel, who were, who were paid to put on a show, kind of get everyone in the mood of, of weeping and wailing. They are making this loud noise, these great cries, and then as soon as Christ makes this statement, what is their response? Is their faith strengthened? Do they, do they look to Christ and say, oh, this is the resurrection of life? No. They mock him. They begin laughing immediately cutting off all fake tears and instead putting on uh, mocking laughing. We see then that the Christ's first statement to Jairus stirred up his faith. Though certainly it was weak in that moment, though certainly he had doubts, yet when Christ called him to believe that he could raise the dead, 
Jairus followed him. But here, in this second statement, when Christ proclaims his power over death, many do not believe. Christ's providences, the providences of God are also a means that God uses to separate out those who are his and those who are not. Those who hate the Lord harden themselves under providences that they do not like. Instead of turning to Christ for their hope, they become angry and bitter towards the Lord. So I, you ought to ask yourself, and you should, we should examine ourselves, when you are in a time of suffering or trial, what is your reaction? How do you respond to the providences of God? Do you fear? Do you believe? Do you turn from God in anger or resentment because he's brought these things in your life? Do you say, why are you doing this to me, Lord? Or do you turn to Christ? Do you place your trust in him, all your hope in him, looking to him to bring you through these dark circumstances? Is Christ your only comfort in life and in death? This is something that you must consider, children. This is something that you must consider. Right now you are young. Not a whole lot of bad things happen to you when you're young, Lord willing. But times will come in your life when some bad things will happen to you. Will you look to the Lord Jesus? Will you trust in him? Will he be the one that you rely on? He should be. Children, trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Adults, trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. In times of sickness, in times of death, times of financial hardship, in times of great temptation to sin, turn to Christ. And also, in these times, when you are praying to God during these hard providences, do you believe that he can answer your prayers? Do you pray for relief for the sick and suffering or for God to work out of a sense of, well, this is just what I'm supposed to pray? Or are you actually believing that God can do those things? Do you just pray once that God would heal someone? Or do you come to him again and again and again, beseeching him on their behalf? That is how we must pray. We must continue in prayer, not giving up through unbelief, but knowing that the Lord hears our prayers. And the Lord will answer our prayers. He always answers prayers. It might be yes, it might be no, but he does give answers to your prayer. So pray to him continually until you get an answer. Go boldly to the throne of grace. Well, we see then 
Christ uh, speaking to Jairus and speaking to the people, telling them of his power. We see the providence of God working all things to, to bring Jairus to this point so that we have an example of faith growing under trials. But that's not all this text teaches us. It teaches us that Christ has great power. Christ is the grounds of our confident faith because he is the all-powerful one who has power over death. Even as we might not trust a doctor until we see the evidence of his work, in this text, God gives us great evidence to trust in Christ. Look at the rest of verse 40 with me. After the people began mocking Christ, they put them out, cast them out. And Christ took along the child's father and mother and his own companions. They entered the room where the child was. Taking the child by the hand, he said to her, Talitha kum, which translated means little girl, I say to you, get up. And immediately the girl got up and began to walk, for he, she was 12 years old, and immediately they were completely astounded. We see here Christ's power as the grounds for confident faith because here we see the extent of Christ's power and we also see great gentleness in Christ's power. Christ's power is uh, all-powerful. Christ is God the Son, omnipotent, all-powerful, when we see the extent of his power over death here in this text, he comes into the room where the child was. He takes her by the hand and he commands. Christ is the one who at a word can raise the dead to life. Now in our Old Testament reading, we, we read of Elijah who prayed to God and a child was revived, brought back to life. Also in the Old Testament, we read of Elisha, who prayed to God, and, um, and the child of the, uh, of the woman was also raised to life. But an interesting feature here, Christ does not pray to the Father to raise the child. Christ commands of his own own power because Christ is God. In the fullness of the Spirit, Christ is able to take this little girl by the hand and say, little girl, get up. And how does the dead girl respond? Immediately, she got up and began to walk. We see Christ's great power here. We see the great extent of Christ's power that this was a full restoration of this girl's life. He did not just bring her from death back to the edge of death where she was when Jairus came to him. No, he brought her back to full health. Immediately she got up. Christ commanded and she arose. And what's more, she stood up and began walking around. There was none of that leftover weakness that your body feels in, in great sickness. She didn't have to lie there 
and recover. No, she was restored enough to where she, a 12-year-old girl, was able to get up and walk around the room. She had all of the energy of a 12-year-old. She was fully restored. She also needed food. In the end of verse 43, Christ said that something should be given her to eat. She was well enough that she could eat food. Now, children, you know that many times when you're very sick, you don't have much of an appetite, right? You don't want to eat. But this little girl needed food because Jesus restored her fully. She had that appetite back. And we see this, the extent of Christ's power that at his word, full restoration from death to life, this little girl gets up. We also see in Christ's great power, great gentleness. If you look back to verse 41, he said to her, Talitha kum. This is Aramaic. This is the language that Jesus and the people who lived in, his, in Judea, this is the language that they spoke. Notice Jesus doesn't command her in Latin, the imperial language, the language of law. He, he doesn't command her in Greek, the language of commerce or trade. He, he doesn't even command her in Hebrew, the theological language. He commands her in her own language, in the Aramaic. So when she hears these words, she's not shocked. She's not frightened. Children, imagine how frightening it might be to all of a sudden open your eyes and there's a bunch of strange men standing over your bed. But she's not shocked or frightened because of Christ's great gentleness, his great kindness. Even the words which he uses, little girl, this is an affectionate, kind term. Little one, get up. Christ has great gentleness in his power. And again, Christ's gentleness is shown in the fact that he tells them, get her something to eat. He knows that she needs food. He knows that she needs nourishment, that she's hungry. So looking out for her even most basic needs, Christ says, get her something to eat. Feed her. Twelve-year-old children need food. Get her some. So we see then Christ's great power, power to raise the dead to life, full restoration, and a great gentleness in this power as well. And this is great grounds for confident faith. What more would we need to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ? He proves who he is. He's God. The second person of the Trinity commanding the dead to rise of his own power. Being the kind God. God of the covenant who cares for his people text we, we see so beautifully the Lord Jesus Christ in whom we ought to place all of our faith. And so we see here great grounds for hope, for confidence, for comfort throughout all of our trials. Uh, Jesus Christ is the resurrection and the life. It's what he told Mary and Martha when Lazarus had died, he is the resurrection and the life, and the one who believes in him will live. 
the resurrection that he grants to those who trust in him is much better than what we see here with this little girl. Now, this girl is, is fully restored back to her 12-year-old vigor, but this wasn't the final resurrection for this girl. She grew old, probably got married and had children, but once again, she returned to the grave. One day, Christ will return, and he will issue to all of those who trust in him that same command, get up. We will rise from the dead. Christ promises that all who trust in him will be raised up on that day. And he proves to us his great power that we have that great hope. Do you trust him? Do you look to him for the resurrection from the dead? Children, do you trust in the Lord Jesus? Did you know that one day all those who trust in him will be raised from the dead and will spend eternity praising our great and glorious God. Trust in him. Look to him for that hope in him. Adults, I give you the same exhortation. Look to Christ for your hope of resurrection. Look to him to save you. Finally, if you trust in him now, you have been justified. You have been saved from the guilt of your sin. And if you trust in him now, you're being sanctified. Even now, you're being saved from uh, the stain of your sin. He's making you grow in holiness. And if you trust in him now, you will one day be glorified, freed completely from the presence of sin, given a resurrection body, which is not afflicted, with the problems that come from sin. That is a great and glorious hope. And we will truly be able to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength in that day. Because he will have glorified us and made it so that we can love him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Look to Christ and praise him that he is the almighty God that he has such great power, that he is the resurrection and the life. When times of trial come and, and you're tempted, saying, I don't feel like praising the Lord today, remember who he is. Think back to this text. Think back to Christ's great power and his great gentleness in this. Remember who he is and in remembering, remember to praise him for it because he is worthy of that praise. We have more cause for confidence in the midst of sickness or financial trouble or death in Christ than we could ever have in a doctor who has an absolutely perfect record of healing all of his patients. We have in Christ the sure grounds for a confident faith even in the midst of trial. We know that the Lord uses trials as a means to grow us in our faith, to, to stretch us. 
to cause us to look to him, to stop relying upon ourselves and our own strength. That's what he did for Jairus. A woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years and a girl who was 12 years old. That was no accident. That was the act of the sovereign Lord providentially bringing these things together so that Christ could demonstrate his great power and so that Jairus would have cause to believe this is God's Messiah. We see Christ in his glory, his great power, his great gentleness. Christ fully restoring the little girl through speaking a word, bringing her back to full restoration. And this this power gives us great cause to trust in Christ in the midst of trials. No problem is too big for our God. No death, no sickness, no financial trouble, no traffic accident, nothing. Because our God is the great, all-powerful, sovereign who has decreed all things and who works all things together for the good of those who love him, those whom he calls. Because of this, because of this great evidence that we have in Christ in the midst of trials and sufferings, trust the Lord Jesus Christ. In the midst of temptation, turn to the Lord Jesus Christ and all of life's ups and downs. Go to the Lord Jesus. He is our gentle Savior, the all-powerful God who uses even the death of this little girl and the resurrection of this little girl to display his great glories so that we may know in whom we believe. Let us pray. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Antioch Presbyterian Church. We are located in the historic Cashville community of Woodruff, South Carolina, near the intersection of South Carolina Highways 101 and 417. For more information about Antioch Presbyterian Church, please visit AntiochPCA.com.